Is that genie pregnant? It kind of looks like it, doesn't I it? I thought so. I'd say yes. I'd say it is. Is that a personal question? Very. <laughs> or it just had a very big burrito. That could be. Welcome to AC Presents. I'm Alex. I'm Jared. I'm Laura. And it's another week of moving around stuff in the basement here where things are different and we're still alive. Huzzah. We're, and somewhat dry. Right. We're not we're not extra flooded. We're just the normal amount right now. So yep. this is our normal amount of water in the basement. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how it'll come out through the editing and everything, but if you hear crickets, it's not just because our jokes landed flat. It's because it's that time of year where there's crickets, the house is open to get some fresh air in. And and also, like, with the sump pump messed up, like, there's literally an open window in our Well, basement. yeah, but I mean, we got- <laughs> They can just walk right in. Yeah. Hopefully the cats eventually will be able to catch them and eat them and get rid of them. Yeah, or Peter. Or Peter. I have more faith in the cats. <laughs> I, yeah. I've seen I've seen his coordinate, <laughs> Peter's coordination. And I have more faith in the cats. He won't know what to do if he catches one. Well, he'll eat it. He'll eat it either way. But it's he's not. He's pretty clumsy. So the cats are a lot more agile than he is. So gross probably shouldn't go there. Question, but I'm gonna anyway. Did you notice? Did they catch a weird bug recently and leave it on the floor? Did you hear me scream this morning? Uh, I did not hear it this morning. No. Okay. Well, I was picking up stuff off the floor, and one thing was like goopy and then when i looked at it it looked like an exoskeleton and i kind of <laughs> i screamed a little okay. bit and dropped it <laughs> that's fun yeah that... good morning here's a weird <laughs> yeah. bug thing uh but anyway on that note um how do we get to this topic oh because uh, you're listening crickets. no, crickets. no I mean, the, the theme for the podcast though Oh, yeah. I, I actually listen to the podcast when I'm not on it to see what you guys talk about so I can tell you when you're wrong and that sort of thing. But <laughs> you, Appreciate guys, that. you guys inspire me. <laughs> yeah. And like you just kept saying like, oh, this week's comic, like Public Domain, I think you mentioned. And I think Chip that Zdarsky, was yep. Chip Zdarsky. And there have been a lot of other ones recently that People who have been consistently writing awesome stuff are continuing to write awesome stuff. And I was like, hmm, I wonder where they started. What was the first thing they wrote? And so I suggested we look up some of the people who are big hits right now and see where they came from. Some of our favorite creatives, specifically the writers, which we've sort of done a writer focus before. Yeah. But it was usually like, okay, there's one writer and then this one book. This other writer yeah. this one book. This one is a little bit more focused on, okay, we each pick someone and go a little bit deeper on that. I think you still do more of a hodgepodge route for yours, but. Yeah. But that's okay. I, I ruined my own topic. <laughs> you just changed the rules. You pulled a Vader. Well. You altered the deal. I think that one of the things I do is I don't describe what I mean well enough. So I tell you like the gist of it and you relay it and you do your thing. And then I realize I, I didn't tell you it right. <laughs> it's, I'm sure we'll we'll be fine either way. Yeah. At least I bet we're gonna be more on topic this week that we planned than we were last week. Mm -hmm. So this is gonna be a lot less tangenty than last week. So with that, uh, Jared, who did you pick, and what is the one of the first things that you want to talk about? Uh, Jeff Johns. He's actually the one who got me into Teen Titans when he relaunched the series in 2000, what, two thousand one, early two thousand. I want to say two thousand. Late 2001, early 2002, like, but I could be mistaken. Yeah, that was before that, I was reading. Yeah, that was probably the best Titans run. Um, 
in their history. The Marv Wolfman and George Perez had a lot of great stuff, but that was one of them that was really, really good. It's when uh, the old Titans, Starfire, Raven, uh, Beast Boy, Cyborg took on the new generation of Young Justice and brought them into the fold as the new Teen Titans. And that run was phenomenal. They had a lot of different things. Uh, you could tell Jeff Johns took meticulous care of these characters, and it was just really good all the way around. Um, from there, he was doing, uh, I don't know when it came out, if it came out before Titans or after, but uh, he did Green Lantern Rebirth. And that stemmed into a, an awesome Green Lantern run. He kind of rewrote the lore just a little bit with the with the oath of uh, In Brightest Day and Blackest Night. And uh, the Blackest Night actually became an event book. Um, before that, before Blackest Night came out, though, he it, it stemmed to uh, the Sinestro Corps War, which Sinestro used to just be a solo villain with a yellow power ring. This time, he had a whole army of beings with yellow power rings. So it kind of broke into the War of the Lights. That, that was kind of the start of Blackest Night and the War of the Lights. That was an awesome story. Sinestro Corps War was phenomenal. If you get a chance to read that one, that's one of his best works. And that stemmed into, you know, having all of these different colored power rings and leading into one of my favorite uh, event books of Blackest Night, which was... Um, the Black Rings resurrected all or zombified pretty much all of the deceased characters at the time. And if a character had died and been resurrected, it also, you know, that character was dead at one time. They became a Black Lantern as well. So there was a lot of great stuff in there as well. Another good story by him was Infinite Crisis. Uh, that was another event book back in 2004, 5, right around there, something like that. I don't have dates. I didn't actually do homework. I just know around <laughs> the times and the stories that See, were really you should, good. You should have done what I did and put up the Wikipedia page and use that as a reference point. Yeah, that'd probably help. Maybe between what <laughs> we're talking about. I have a you know. Wikipedia page, but it's just a generalized uh, thing on Jeff Johns. Fair enough. So, um, I can't think of the name of it, but he just did a recent one with a radioactive man. Um, oh, Geiger? Geiger, that's it. Oh, yeah, that one was pretty good. Yeah. That was one of his more recent pieces of work. It was uh, in non-DC, was it Image that did that? I don't remember for sure, but that one was really good. I enjoyed that, um, but I don't think he's exclusive to DC or anything like that anymore. Well, obviously, since he's doing other work, but uh, he was one of the higher-ups at DC. I think he was going to be trying to work on some of their movies at the time, but uh, when Green Lantern, the movie came out, it kind of flopped. It sucked. And uh, Geiger is by Image. From, Image. From so, yeah, but that one was really good. Um, I he did uh, Batman three, the three Jokers also, to, which that one was. I liked it. I've heard some people have had some complaints, and you, we don't know if it's canon. Right. I like, for me, so, I liked yeah. issues one and two, and then three fell flat. I would agree to somewhat. Like, it was like the lesser of yeah. the three. But I still enjoyed it. I actually liked the ending with uh, the Joker's ex-wife still being alive, you know, from uh, from the yeah, Killing Joke. That. So there's a lot of callbacks with that. So Jeff Johns, he knows the comic history, the lore behind the characters. And when he does something like this, he he's able to tie it in really well. And mm -hmm. his dialogue's always fun to read. 
Right. So, uh, I will cut in next with my person I'm going to focus on today, and that is Tom Taylor. Uh, which I mean, we didn't start really noticing the strength of his work until like last year, really. I'd agree. Probably when Deceased was over, and we started with um, uh, Marvel had that um, that the power went out. Dark Ages. Dark Ages. Thank you. <laughs> so that's uh, when I really started noticing. It's like, wow, Tom Taylor. It doesn't matter what he writes; he's good. Well, and I'm looking at his history here. He didn't really break onto the main scene of Marvel and DC until 2000, and I want to say 11, where he did DC Universe Online. Well, one of those oh. that was based on the video game franchise. He turned that into comic book series. Um, he before that he was doing some Dark Horse stuff. He did. His other main stuff that I would say he did was Star Wars. He did Star Wars stuff from uh, Dark Horse back in 2009 through 2012. He was doing a bunch of different stories like that, which like, oh, I want to go back and look these up because I'm 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 not a super fan of Star Wars, but I'm a fan. Like, I don't read everything. Oh, this contradicts that. Like, I don't care. I just take it as it is. It's a fun story. Um, But the first one I want to focus on for Tom Taylor is Superior Iron Man. Uh, 2014, 2015, that was shortly after the Superior Spider-Man run. Um, which is more important. Which would I would say is, I mean, more important because it lasted a little bit longer. Uh, because it's Spider-Man. Right. And oh. yeah. <laughs> but Superior Iron Man only lasted nine issues. It was during the Axis event that Marvel's going through where, oh, all the good guys are good guys, are bad guys now. All the bad guys are good guys. And, you know, they have they were flipped on their axis of their morality and at the end of axis there is a pulse wave to set everyone back to normal but iron man stayed the same and i think it was havoc also stayed as the evil sides until eventually they got fixed later but yeah it was nine issue miniseries the art was pretty solid like it was not what it wasn't the extremist story arc style of art but it's very similar where it's like oh we're gonna be taking a lot like the um what i would say uh like the robert Downey jr live action stuff similar to that where it definitely looks like him but not quite um yeah it was cool to see him do his full evilness i guess like <laughs> it's a fine line between evil tony stark and, and not an evil tony stark especially if he's drinking versus if he's yeah. sober if you hear noise in the background, the cats came down also, and they may start chasing and fighting each other. But we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I liked it because I think because I knew at that point, okay, this is only going to be a miniature thing. It's a little bit of a ripoff of Superior Spider-Man because like, oh, we're just going Superior or whatever. And like, it's the evil version. But at least this wasn't like, oh, someone else took over the personality. Like how Spider-Man was like Doc Ock was in the in Peter's body. No, no, this was still all. Wasn't a direct copycat. Right. It was still all Iron Man. It was all Tony Stark, but it was just. Tony Stark, Tony Stark's alcoholicness, but without, while still being sober, I guess. Like, it was. Yeah, I was going to say his inner demons. Right. Like, he had an excuse when he was an alcoholic, because at least he was drinking. This, no, he's just being a jerk. Um, But it was only a nine issue series. It was a short run, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I went back and looked up his Dark Horse Star Wars stuff. Uh, Wikipedia has it listed that he did Star Wars Invasion series, which was. where the Yuuzhan Vong uh, attacked the Republic, and that's kind of the start. It follows a different character and stuff. And those were, there was only three volumes, and those were excellent. 
So even back then, back in 2009 to 12, somewhere around in there, yep, he was top-notch saying. writing. I think what's great about him is he really – when he starts writing something, he knows the person, the character and personality. Yes. Like he, he captures the tone very well with the characters he right. writes. Right. That's what I've noticed with him is he – his characters, when you're reading it, you're actually reading two different people. It's not just words on a page. You right. Know, he's very good about that. Uh, Laura, who was first on your list? I picked Chip Zdarsky, which is actually the pen name of Steve Murray. And I guess he also goes by Todd DeMonte, but I didn't get much research done on what that one was. Um, he was inspired to make a pen name by his friend's ex-girlfriend's name, and it was also a nod to the Peanuts creator, Charles Schultz. And, like, I, I went more into, like, the person's history, so sorry that I'm I'm uh, going to sound off track. From that, that's okay. <laughs> um, he had a one-man... Comic Con called Zadarskan, which I thought was cute. That's, That's awesome. Fun. That's yep. fun. <laughs> um, he also he waited until after the deadline passed and ran for mayor of Toronto just for the hell of it in 2010, just to like get his <laughs> name out there. And also as a a Make a Wish Foundation uh, donation, he rappelled down Toronto City Hall and, in a Spider Man costume. And there's actually a video on YouTube that I would recommend everyone go look up. It's Chip Zdarsky, Spider-Man, Make-A-Wish. If you look up something along those lines, it'll come right up. And he's, like, muttering to himself the whole... Like, they, they take a video, like, with a GoPro cam going down the whole rappelling of the, the hall wall. And he's just like, uh, apparently some child's wish was to watch a middle-aged man die falling from a large height. <laughs> so here I am. And he, he mentions, this does not feel so good on my spider buddies. <laughs> and yeah the oh the video is on reddit too so yeah if you get a chance to look that up it was pretty funny but um why i picked him was recently we've been talking about the current comic public domain and also devil's reign i know is over but it's still fairly recent that and he's he, still running the daredevil series right now too yeah i do think that as well and he started with Rumble Royale. He actually founded the Royal Academy of Illustration and Design with his friends Kagan McLeod, Ben Shannon, and Cameron Stewart. I can barely read my own handwriting. But um, I thought that sounded interesting and something that I'd want to look into later because he's done so much other great stuff like Rumble Royale sounds, why not? Why not look that up? I actually went on Hoopla and, like, requested that they add it to their library today. And some other stuff he's done that I know I've at least started reading was Spider-Man Life Story, um, Sex Criminals. I, I guess I, I only read one issue of that. I didn't really get into that one because not super my thing, but I've heard great things about it. And we have, like, a signed... We have a signed reprint of number yeah. one by him and Matt Fraction. Yeah, that's the other guy. And he also did Amazing Spider-Man Full Circle, Spider-Shadow, which is another one I need to finish. I think I only have one issue left, but I set it aside and don't know where I put it. Um, and also he did Silver Coin, which was kind of following the story of this coin that when it comes into someone's hands, it kind of changes their life. Not always for the best. And that was an interesting story. And Stillwater... Um, get what that one was if that one was where the the people in the town didn't age or get injured or things or i, I forget exactly I but 
he he wrote Stillwater, so look that up if you're interested in Chip Zdarsky and all he's done outside of Spider-Man. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought he had a really interesting history there and fit fit the theme I was going for. But <laughs> whether whether I follow the theme of everyone else is always anyone's guess. It is what it is. But I mean, <laughs> it's still interesting to see the history of them. And like, yeah. and I mean, you telling the story about him rappelling down the building. That that comedic aspect of that definitely sounds like his writing too. He is mm-hmm. a good comedic writer too. Yeah, he said he was going for like this kind of down and out guy who is a real loner and like trying to separate. Chip Zdarsky was only his internet personality, and then um, Steve Murray is who he is in real life, and he also wrote for a newspaper. So Steve Murray was like his serious newspaper writer persona. And then Chip is his comic book fun persona. He's, uh, I was just kind of looking through some of his stuff. He's actually won four Eisner Awards. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty good. And some Harvey Awards. I don't know much about the Harvey Awards, though. All, like, all they're, awards they're an award. have their own thing. Yeah. yeah. I should start making awards. Give people go. the right award. Uh, so, Jared, why don't you tell us more about Jeff Johns? Well, um, some other good things with Jeff Johns is that he was working on the Green Lantern movie. I think he was really trying to branch out into film and TV. Uh, he helped write some of my, one of my favorite things on Smallville was the Justice Society episodes. And uh, I think he actually did Booster Gold and Blue Beetle on Smallville also. Um, but the Justice Society episode was phenomenal on Smallville. He uh, was able. He actually stole one of his own lines from the comics to use in the show, also, and I loved it. Uh, during Infinite Crisis, Martian Manhunter is uh, facing off against Superboy Prime, and he says, "I'm Mars' sole survivor. There's a reason for that." And he uh, stole that line in the Smallville show, also, and used it again. So I thought that it was a great line he wrote, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'd be using that." And every time I have Martian Manhunter in there, but. Uh, there was some really good stuff with that. I would like to have seen him branch out more into TV and film, and I'm hoping he does. I think he's working kind of behind the scenes more. I don't really know what his credits are for um, the movie side of things, but uh, after Green Lantern, it was you know hard to get the DC Universe films off the ground, pretty much. But uh, I know he he was really pushing towards that quite a bit. He has worked on a few different things more as like assistants and um, things like that with uh to like Richard Donner and some of these bigger name act, uh producers and stuff but uh he did help with some of their animated movies like um Green Lantern Emerald Knights he helped on Suicide Squad he helped write that um so he, he was a so he producer some, on Justice League so he did some Young Justice as well yep yep but uh, he's done some uh, bits and pieces on Robot Chicken, which I thought that was kind of cool. So I bet you he helped with the DC special and things like that. So, um, but yeah, he's helped with the Flash show. I don't know which ones spe- uh, specifically he was on, but he did work on that. Speaking of the Flash, one of the best things the Flash has done is Flashpoint. Jeff Johns wrote that. So he's all over the place. I hoping he continues uh, doing a lot of his movie stuff and TV and everything because what he did with Smallville was uh, was just really good. Um, 
I think he's helping with the Titans show that's on HBO Max that started on that DC app there for a little bit. And he's... It says he wrote six episodes for that Six show, episodes? Okay. I was going to say, he would be a good one to do that. And uh, I think he's also writing a little bit for Stargirl, but I don't think he's done a whole lot of writing and things like that for like uh, Superman and Lois that's ongoing right now. Executive producer. Oh, he's listed as executive producer. Okay. I didn't think he was doing any writing on that. So... Yeah, I'm hoping he continues with the movie and TV side of things. Um, maybe he can help get some of their movies off the ground. So I, mean, I haven't seen his name on anything, Black Adam. Well, like we said last week, we'll see how it all pans out with the whole merger of Warner and yeah. everything. And yeah. I, we'll see how that pans out. Yeah, let's hope it goes well. If you don't know what we're talking about, listen to last week's yeah. episode. Oh, he also, Jeff Johns actually wrote, uh, I don't think he wrote the whole thing, but uh, 52. When after Infinite Crisis and they had um, that one year later stuff, well, 52 was the a weekly comic series that filled the gap of that one year where Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all your big heroes went on vacation pretty much. Mm. <laughs> so there was that gap. And that was a really good series. So. All right. Uh, I'll go back to Tom Taylor stuff. Another thing that I want to say that stands out for me of things he did was all new Wolverine from 2015 to 2018. That was the time frame where Logan Wolverine was dead. And like, mm. oh well we need a new someone needs to be Wolverine and why not use his clone? And it was Laura Kenny, formerly known as X twenty three, and then now since then has gained the name X twenty three back since she's no longer Wolverine. Yeah. Logan's uh, back. Right, because he's back. Um but it was a really cool scenario or really cool story to see, okay, well what Who's going to take up the mantle of Wolverine? And it makes sense for her because she is the same but different. Yeah. Um, she has the same healing factor, similar claws. Um, if you don't know anything about her, she has two claws that come out of her knuckles. But instead of the middle claw, she has a claw that comes out of her, each foot. That's her third claw. Oh, then. So okay. two on each hand and then one on each foot. Uh, and she has adamantium lace claws, nothing else. Like the rest of her bones are normal oh, bones. I didn't know that. Versus mm-hmm. Wolverine's is the whole skeleton. Or Logan's is the whole skeleton. Yeah, some of the stuff that I liked with her was um, when it would be a team up or like a, a team book. It's the other characters like reacting to her every now and then. Like, was she looks like some assassin, you know? Right. They weren't sure how to take her at times because she she's not a big talker. Right. Well, and when they first made the character, she was used originally as a assassin that yeah. there's a chemical pheromone that you'd spray someone and that's her kill signal. Like, Oh yeah. Whoever, whoever has that pheromone on them, kill that target. And it was, she went full berserk mode where she had no control. It was just pure instinct on that. Uh, eventually I believe she has overcome that, um, how do I say that brainwashing, I guess where she's like, Nope, she can fight it. It's still, she has to fight it though. It's yeah. not like, Oh, that means nothing to me. And like, yeah, no, no, that's I still... always going to be a good plot point for any right. future story. It's a good weakness that yeah. someone can exploit. Um, but I believe during this all new Wolverine series, they also introduced, or at least I think it was introduced. It could have been just more of a filling out though, of the character Gabby also, which was her clone also that you found out like, Oh, mm-hmm. so it's the clone of a clone and has similar powers and Laura had multiple clones, but Gabby was the only one that survived. Everyone else had some sort of degeneration. Degeneration that would or or defect like, oh, they can only yeah, they can be alive for so long and then the clone process breaks down and dead. Versus she's able Flower. to survive. 
and then Gabby was able to survive also. So it was uh, Laura Kenny, her clone Gabby, which they ended up saying sister because might as well. It makes more. Yeah, at that point. And they had a a literal Wolverine with them as well. I forget what its name was, but like they had a pet Wolverine with them. Oh. Uh, which like that's that's fun. Like why why wouldn't Wolverine have a Wolverine? It just makes sense. Um, yeah, it was a good series. It lasted from 2015 to 2018, 35 issues. Realistically, anytime a series goes out past 12 like that, they're having a good run then. Yeah. So anymore, it's a very good run. Uh, yeah, and during that time frame, uh, some of the big events that was going on was right around the Civil War II time frame was when that happened as well. Okay. I was saying that Laura came out in the M2 era with Spider-Girl. Uh, she wasn't that recent. Let me see if I can pull up when she first appeared. Um, blah, blah, blah. There we go. Her first appearance was in X-Men Evolution X-23 2004. Her first coming appearance was NYX number three, which was, yeah, 2004 when that came out. Okay. That was a little bit of a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like to see the evolution of the character, and it was a cool run to see where she was as Wolverine. Uh, so yeah, and that was written, that part was written by Tom Taylor. Laura, who else is on your list? Um, I thought about mentioning Tom King, because he wrote Love Everlasting this week, and when I googled him a little bit, I mean, I didn't, didn't do as great as this one, but he was a big name in Batman comics, so I wasn't sure if... Jared would be like, oh, yeah, that guy. And the first thing that he came up with that really got him on the map was called A Once Crowded Sky. I actually get the impression that, no, it does say comic pages. At first, I thought maybe it was even a book, but I think it's kind of a graphic novel in between kind of thing. And it sounds like the premise of that story was most of the superheroes lost their powers, so not everyone can fly now. So A Once Crowded Sky. And there's only one person left who, like, turned their back on that last mission that ruined all the other people's powers. And now he's, like, the only one left who has powers on Earth and they need him for the next big bad who shows up. So I'm I'm curious to read that one as well. Um, let's see. So I'm going to scroll through done a Wiki. He's a lot of bat books. Yep. He's done some really good bat books. Such yeah, as? I think it was Grayson was yeah, one of them. Yeah, he was working on Grayson. He's okay. uh, kind of spotty here and there. Uh, he did some <laughs> of the Agents of Spiral stuff with uh, when he was uh, as Grayson. Um, but he wrote the um, War of Jokes and Riddles, where they pitted uh, Joker and Riddler against each other a little bit. Um, he did the wedding stuff. And... Um, City of Bane, he did a lot of those, which was okay. That's where they kind of killed off Alfred. So that it was iffy. I wasn't <laughs> a huge fan of it, but it, it was decent. But he's done a lot of stuff. He's uh, written a lot of like um, when Justice League had their Dark Side War, when they relaunched it back in 2014, something like that. I don't know. Uh, he did like the Green Lantern special. So. Yeah, also shows for Marvel, he did the Vision series. It looks like he did Vision Volume 2 when he had, the Vision had his own, like, family. Well, it was Viv, yeah. Vivian, and I forget what the son's name was. Yeah. Yeah, I never actually read it. I was I was tempted, but I was like, ah, Spider-Man's a full-time job. <laughs> I don't have time for the Vision. 
He did Heroes in Crisis, which wasn't great, but I liked the premise of it where the heroes had a safe space for counseling and things like that, and it gets attacked. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But I I like the premise of that. That wasn't bad. It read much better in trade, but it was still, it still fell flat. All right. Uh, Let's do rapid fire because we're pretty good on time. Uh, What are some last things you want to mention about Jeff Johns? Uh, Actually, I kind of wanted to switch gears for Jeff Johns just a little bit. I've got to mention uh, Brian K. Vaughn. Saga, mm-hmm. Why the Last Man, uh, two of my favorite comics ever. Um, Why the Last Man was, I can't, if you've listened to this podcast, you've probably heard me mention it. A couple so, times. So, just a few times. <laughs> so, uh, Brian K. Vaughn, he is a phenomenal writer. He also did Paper Girls, which, is that picked up on, for a show? Are they uh, doing already, something? Yeah, season one already came out on Amazon Prime. Oh, did it? I didn't yeah. know that. Okay, I thought, it was, I thought they were doing a, a, a show of that. But uh, yeah, he's done a lot of great things. Um, he's one, if we go to a comic convention, I always look for his name, but I've never seen him. So uh, yeah, Rapid Fire, Brian K. Vaughn, uh, that he's a great, great uh, writer. All right. Uh, I'll do some Rapid Fire Tom Taylor things. Uh, we'll talk more about it later, but Deceased, uh, they've done, this is the fifth vo- fifth series that just came out today as we're as we are recording this. So that was originally a web series that they t- put into print and it took off like gangbusters and they kept doing more and more. And another one that I'm looking forward to that has not come out yet, but I have on pre-order is Neverlanders. So I'm excited to read uh, where it is a adult version of um, Peter Pan, where one of the description points, one of the description parts says when the group is then speared away by a foul mouthed Tinkerbell, like, that has my attention. Like, okay, Tinkerbell swearing and stuff, like, that sounds fun. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I always thought that she was swearing, but she usually was bleeped out. You couldn't understand what she said. So, but she always looked like she had a mouth. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I have that on pre order. Uh, it'll come out. It'll be like 20 bucks soft cover, 23 hardcover. I'm looking forward to it. He, he did the uh, cover art reveal, I want to say last week, the week before on Facebook and Twitter. Like, oh, that looks cool. I like the description of this. So let's check it out. It's an original graphic novel. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, any last things you want to mention with your list, Laura? Sure. Um, Charles Soule this week came out with 8 Billion Genies. Is it number four? Okay, yeah. And in the past, awesome things he's done was Letter 44, which ran for like 50 or... It was a while. It, it was a, a lot of issues. And it, it was a good story that it was able to wrap itself up and like it had... It had an ending, and it was good enough. Like, it, it didn't go the way I thought it would, but it was, I was glad to have read it. And I, I always like to recommend that one. It was it was interesting to me. And also, Undiscovered Country, I know we started reading that at one point. I forget if we actually reviewed it for book club, or if it was like a, we're thinking about doing one of these. And I don't I, think we've actually talked about it on here. Okay. Yeah, I feel like one day I said, hey, bring home like a handful of books during the pandemic that you think we might ever read. And I did. Um, he's actually, I think that you guys, was he the one you guys interviewed a few years ago once on like Before he took off. I was like on a Google pot or Google zoom almost sort of thing. Yeah. Google hangouts. That's what it was. Yeah. And I remember Mark was kind of upset because like I was the only one who showed up who didn't work for the store at the time and I didn't even have a camera or anything. I could only type questions. I didn't know this guy. So I didn't 
know what to ask. Well, yeah, so it was just like he, fly on the wall. It was before he took off. Like at that point, he'd only done like a Wonder Woman book, and that was about it. And everything else was getting ready to come out. Uh, but looking at Letter Forty Four, ran six volumes, thirty five issues. Wow. Oh, I thought it was even more than that. Okay, but still, like we have them all, and they're they're great. Um, he also wrote a little bit of Civil War. It looks like and some Daredevil, little Gwenpool here. Yeah, his, he's a name that stands out to me because mainly because you guys interviewed him once. I'm like, oh, that guy. I got to gotta keep up with him because he's a friend of the store. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's our quick list of some of our favorite writers and things that they've done and who they are as people as well. Uh, so moving on, we'll go to books that came out this week, Wednesday, August 10th, 2022. Jared, why don't you go first again? What is something that stood out to you? Uh, there's a new image book. It's called The Deadliest Bouquet, uh, written by Erica Schultz. I am intrigued to see where this is going. This is kind of like a murder mystery. Um, it kind of opens up with, um, this girl calling her sister to say, hey, mom's dead. You know, she's been killed. And, um, as they kind of go through and kind of mention it to their another sister that's coming down it's there's a backstory here but oh, with yeah. these women um they're trained i don't know if they are assassins or what but they've had some like skilled trainings like they and they know how to you know cover up murder pretty much um it looks like their father was a bit abusive to their mother and there's a flashback sequence of uh, the mother basically killing the father, pushing him down a flight of stairs and everything. And, you know, the girls are all younger, uh, children, and they're like, okay, get the tarp, you know. So it's, yeah. you know, very intriguing. There's a lot of backstory here. So I'm not sure where, what's going on with this yet, or like, it's definitely going to be a murder mystery, it feels like, with uh, who killed their mom, what's going on, you know. So. It's very intriguing. It was very good. The art's very solid. Um, yeah. It's. I like the, one of the lines that one of the daughters says, like, I'm not burying another body in the woods. Yeah, that's yeah. what I wanted to say. In yeah. the backyard, I think. Or in the back, I, was, yeah. Yeah, I knew it was somewhere. Like, I'm not burying another one back. Like, are you talking about like an animal or like a human? Like, what? Yeah. What experience yeah. do you have with these burying of bodies? Yeah, at first I got confused because the first page, it starts out, it sounds like they call 911 and then hang up and yeah. don't actually finish it. Yep. But for the, it was time stamped. And I was like, is that, is this all happening in 1998? Yeah, 1998. Or is it flashing back to the first time they had to bury someone in the backyard? That could <laughs> like, be, yeah. I wasn't yeah, 100%. I don't know. Because it does, it just says, uh, North Jersey, February 15th, 1998, early morning. It doesn't, you know, it it doesn't really go from dates to dates. It'll say like 14 hours earlier or yeah. this and that, but it, doesn't you know, I don't see any cell phones or anything like that mm -hmm. that I remember. So maybe it is a period piece set in the 90s. Yeah. Also, I thought it was interesting that. They all have flower names. Like yeah. the mom was Jasmine. Yeah. The three sisters are Rose, Poppy, and Violet. Yep. The Poppy has Aster and Holly are her daughters. And I forget if Winterberry and Hawthorne are also flower names or not, but they, they sound like they could be. They sound, sound like, like it, yeah. yeah. I would say with the and, book titled The Deadliest Bouquet, I, I would, you know, yeah. place the odds, yes. So, yeah, it was a pretty good book. 
I suggest picking it up. I don't know where they're going to go with it. Um, I don't know much about the writer, Erica Schultz. I've never read anything by her. So I should have Googled her. Yeah, we should have looked her up for the for this. But uh, yeah, I'm. it was interesting. So I'm not sure. You know, I'll check out the next issue and see if I want to put it on my pull list from there. There you go. Uh, I'll go next with one that stood out to me this week, and that is Ms. Marvel and Wolverine number one. This is the first of at least three three issues. There gonna be a bunch of one shots. Uh, this is uh, so Ms. Marvel and Wolverine is number one. Ms. Marvel and uh, Moon Knight will be number two, and then Venom will be number three. Um, this one realistically should have been Ms. Marvel and the X Men because yes, Wolverine is there the majority of the time. However, you have multiple X Men that rotate in and rotate out of the story, where there is these weird cybernetic robotic bugs that is attacking the X-Men's treehouse in the middle of New York. And Ms. Marvel is just showing up, like paying respects to just, Oh, I'm just in town, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for helping. Yada, yada, yada. Then ends up helping defeat all these robotic insects and it gets messy in short, but it's cool to see them interact. Like if you remember the champions about three or four years ago, we had young Cyclops from the time displaced Cyclops with the X-Men. And now he's even back to the, his original time. This Cyclops has those memories again. So it's like, Oh, kind of awkward. I, we hung out as a kid, but not really. And it was a long time ago for me, but not that long for you. And kind of weird, kind of awkward, but yeah, fun stuff. And just to see her interact with all of the mutants and the X-Men and everything. And it's cool to see the, ingenuity that she comes up with like oh we'll do this to do that and at one point the to defeat these robotic bugs she's like okay i have an idea uh wolverine you're not gonna like it and her idea worked and she was correct he also he did not like it (laughs) uh without going too far into spoilers let's just say it involves wolverine and storm you can just guess where that's gonna go (laughs) uh but yeah this is a good good introductory issue my only complaint is that it's a bunch of one shots. So I have to mainly order each one. If you want them as they come out, it's like, well, that's kind of annoying, but it is what it is. Is it going to follow a linear story? Yes. Okay. It, yes, it does. So it's and a Miss Marvel story. It's Miss Marvel. And she's the connecting tissue of all of them. Her team up with X-Men's Wolverine is done now. Now they're, she's going to move on to Moon, Moon Knight. And then the next one after that will be Venom. And it'll be, it says specifically Dylan Brock Venom. Not okay. Eddie Brock. So, um, do yeah. the X-Men still have their, Rebirth technology yes. stuff. Okay. They're cloning, yeah. regenerating with their memory backups thing. Yeah. It's okay. all messed. But yes, they do, they do still have that. Okay. I was going to say, that's going to get blown up one of these days. Yeah, it has to. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's Ms. Marvel and Wolverine number one. Laura, what stood out to you this week? I think I'm going to go with Love Everlasting number one. Um, that was the one I mentioned Tom King this week wrote most of it. Or I guess he wrote it and Elsa Chartier did the the drawings. And it follows this girl named Joan. Shoot, I forgot her last name. I think it was Patterson, something like that. Um, she's kind of almost unstuck in time. Kind of like a, a Kurt Vonnegut, uh, Billy Pilgrim kind of thing. I'm not 100%. But it's like, it's three stories. And she's in a love triangle in the first one. And then all of a sudden, hard reset. She's in this like situation where her father's disapproving of her love. And then she's like, but wait, I'm in love with this the guy from the first story. 
who's this other guy? Where am I? What's going on? Hmm. And then another hard reset. All of a sudden, she's in kind of like the West, like the near the desert, like out in the undiscovered country kind of area. And she thinks these two men are fighting over her there. And she's like, but wait. Why are these men after me when where's George, where's Kit was the second man? Like, she keeps falling into these very dramatic love interest stories, and she doesn't understand why. Why am I suddenly here? What's going on? Time jumps also? Like, is it time periods? It it suggested that... say Western there. um, The cover kind of looks like, I don't know, 70s, 80s? Yeah, something I read said it was 50s, 50s and then 60s and then 70s, that the oh, okay. jumps went that way. Although, actually, I think the order of the jumps may have been out of order for that. Because the second story seemed more like the 70s, but the first story seemed more like the 60s. And the, or sorry, the third story seemed like the 60s, and the first story did seem like the 50s. But anyways, like, she doesn't know what time she's in. She can't figure out where where the people in her life are going that she's she's so drawn to them but all of a sudden like it seems like as soon as she gets the goal she has in that little arc she's gone she's on to the next thing mm. and at first i wondered when i read the last page it said this was an everlasting production and i wondered if each story was going to be another time jump for a different person but i get the impression that it will still be love stories as they keep going um but yeah, I would also recommend, uh, when I looked online for the Everlasting Productions, these stories are online, so you can look them up, and if you, like, crowdfund them, or I forget what website they were through, there's an actual, you can give them money, and they will give you more stuff. Like, there's extras to this. Okay, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it looks like it is going to follow the same person throughout the whole thing, too. Okay. At least number two kind of says uh, the same character name. Yeah. Joan. Yeah, I, I I, was very... I didn't think I was going to like it when I saw the cover, and I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be crap. And I started reading it, and then when it started jumping around, and there was a mystery to why is she time jumping and forgetting who she is and like just completely replaced in these areas, and the other people are just like, oh... It's normal that you're here. And she's like, this doesn't feel normal to me. Like, what's what's going on? What are you talking like, about normal? This ain't no normal. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested to see where it goes. Like, I'm, I'm going to trust in Tom King and see where he takes us. All right. Uh, Jared, what's next up on your list? Sorry, the cats were battling. Yeah, they do that a lot. It's okay. <laughs> they both uh, win. It's okay. Yeah, they're, they're really going at it there. <laughs> so um, the... Uh, last one on my list was Deceased, War of the Undead Gods, number one of eight. This, this is, is the final chapter of Tom Taylor's uh, uh, Deceased this Saga. This is the fifth chapter, I believe. Because so we had yeah. regular Deceased, Unkillables, uh, Dead Planet. And then it was that online one. Uh, I can't. That, uh, they just collected. A Good Day to Die. Yeah. Uh, they collected that recently. And then this is the fifth series. So it's just as, uh, you know, it's on along the same lines of the other deceased books. So if you're looking for that type of quality, it's there. 
So we start off with the battle or the uh, planet of Krypton getting destroyed by Brainiac, um, then send them sending uh, Kara, Supergirl, off, and but not to Earth. But not to Earth. They send her to um, uh, shoot. What's it called? Um, New yep. Genesis. Yeah. Um, where the old gods are with like Orion and High Father and everything, and they are zombies. So, and they pretty much attack her right away. It's, before she has her powers. Yeah, before even. she has her powers. She does get some laser eyes going, but they get a hold of her face and are, you know, they're dragging her down pretty much. I don't know if they're breaking skin to to really do anything. We cut to the next page. Judging by the part where she gets her laser eyes and yeah. starts going, right. I would noise. say so. Would say, yeah. yeah. So, but I'm like, oh, reserve judgment, you know. So, this first issue, the superheroes seem to have a cure. Yes, because in, Dead in Planet, the end of Dead Planet, they came up with the cure. Yep. To like, if if there are any zombies still around, we can cure them, make them pure, pure human again. Yeah. So, they're going to test it out on the biggest gun that they've got. Who, they've already tested out on a lot of people. Well, yeah. They've but already I mean, like, but their the, final their one. Their final, yeah. yeah. They're going to go test it out on Superman, who uh, was, if you remember, met Barry, zombie Barry Allen by going the opposite way around the globe and colliding with him at full force with Barry running at full force, too. And he lost an arm. Yep. And Barry had some of his fingers lodged inside of Superman because, you know, the force just nailed him. So Superman was infected, pretty much. So Superman flew into the sun so he would not... For- for, to protect everybody. Well, much. and to power himself and up. And to power himself up. And he's been there for five years, yeah. being powered by the sun. Yep. So, uh, Jonathan Kent, who is the current Superman, has the cure, is going in to the sun and going to bring Kal-El out. So, there's a bit of a fight, you know, with everybody there. And we've got Shazam Batgirl, which I forgot about for there for a little bit. I'm like, oh, sweet. She's still there. Yeah, I forgot about her yeah. being Shazam also. Yeah. So, that was great. And it's it's going all over the place. It's really good. I don't want to give too many spoilers. I mean, there's a lot that so happens in here. It, there mean, is a lot. I would say definitely read the at least regular deceased and dead planet before you read this one. I would agree. And this is not, even though it is number one, it's not a great jumping on point from yeah. that standpoint. Like they do a decent job explaining everything, but not yeah. as well as yeah. Just I mean, you probably it could. It's like, oh, everyone's a zombie. Got it. You know, you could jump on it that way, but there's a lot of backstory to that. I, I would definitely want to read the other ones first. Yeah, I mean, great story. Um, you definitely feel the impact of the previous issue because, like, Alfred dealing with the yes, loss that he dealt with yeah. and everything. Like, because now that there's a cure, they're able to cure them. No, he took a shotgun to the he, Bat family. He, took, he killed like, them. They are them. not coming back. Yeah. You know, and he's got that guilt now that everyone can be saved and... Not them, and but they even said like you didn't know. It's yeah. not your fault. Like, yep, he did the right thing at the time. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but great there's issue. a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. I mean, it's yeah, eight it's, issues. It's a great the way it opens with uh, a Brainiac destroying Krypton, and the way it ends is a great, great thing. I can't wait to see where they're going next. Yeah, so that's issue one of eight. Uh, last one I mentioned on my list is Eight Billion Genies, written by Charles Soule, as we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, this is a four four issue four of eight where things have get, took a twist. There's 
this is definitely the end of act one because it has a major plot point twist of who who's actually pulling the strings behind all this. Okay. I was going to say, I haven't read this one yet. This is one I didn't get to, but it's been one of our picks every time, every issue so far. Yeah, each one, but each one was pretty straightforward. Okay. Everyone's got a genie. Everyone gets their wishes. It is what it is. Here's the effects on the world. This finally explains how and why does everyone get a wish? Oh, cool. And what is going on with that? And it is interesting. And to see where the, this is definitely a tonal shift of where they're going, I think, of where they've been to where they're going. Uh, is this issue here like, oh, we thought it was just something, something straightforward like that? No, no, there is something bigger at play. Here it is. Um, I don't want to go too far in because that's major spoilers. Yeah, I um, haven't read it yet. But <laughs> it is great and highly recommended. I would not be surprised if they do a collected volume of just issues one through four, then do five through eight. And then do an, and then do a combined all together. Yeah. I would not be surprised at all. Okay. So we're, the first three, just by that kind of explanation, it's kind of like world building, effects of the wishes. Here's the stage. Now we're going to get to the nitty gritty of why and what what effects that means. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, sweet. I'm just double checking. Yeah, there's nothing actually solicited yet. So they may just wait till all eight and just collect them all in one yeah. giant thing, which I'm okay with that as well. Yeah, either or. I mean, I mean I'm going to be getting all the singles, so yeah. I'm good to go. Yeah. Uh, Laura, do you have any last ones you want to mention for this section? Um, I did think I, I was excited to read Samurai Doggy because it just has a cute name. Um, the subtitle of that number one issue was Walking Through Sky Panel. Um, it's by Chris Tex and Santos. That person just had Santos. He's like Cher, I guess. Um, or there. It could be a she. Oh, yeah. Good point. Sorry. Um, it seemed like it was kind of a... It made me think of like a Western vendetta story. Samurai Doggy's mother was killed and his brothers were kidnapped. Although for some reason it takes him 20 years to decide, I'm going to do something about this. Well, he's got to train like, up. He can't just like go on full vengeance spree. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I think that 20 years is a, 20 years seems, I guess maybe I don't have a lot of faith in dog lifespan. 20 years <laughs> is really old for a dog. It's true. That, how many is that in dog years? Like who can multiply by every, eight? Is this- Every eight years is it every? It's over hundred. Yeah, he's one hundred and sixty years old as a dog. But yeah, so he was after like immediately after his mother was killed, his brothers were kidnapped. He was injured very um, grievously in the fight with the the murderer. In fact, it said that's when I breathed my last breath. But he got better, so I didn't I didn't like that part of it. But anyways, he got saved by some like robot vulture named Ray. And I I think they said Ray trains him, and that's when he, as he grows up, he still has Ray uh, advising him, and he's on the search, and he has, like, the collar from one of his brothers or his mom or something, and he's taking the scent around, asking people, have you smelled this before? And they're like, no, like, get away <laughs> from me with that crap. Like, that's I got disgusting. no interest in your your vendetta. But honestly, like... I'm not sure that I'll keep up with it because the the art was a little too like um blurred, like too much action was yeah. trying to go on. It was a little too close some places like I couldn't quite tell what was going on. So I didn't wasn't a big fan. But then it did something I really love in any book is if it has a map and the very last page is a map of like the whole city and and the countryside around it that he could be adventuring in. And that that could be enough to draw me in. I don't know. We'll we'll see when number two comes out if I have time to read it again or not. Yeah. 
right. So those are the books that came out this week that caught our attention. Um, what caught your attention, listener? Let us know, and we will talk about it probably at some point. Uh, moving on, we'll talk about our book club book of the week, and that is Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, Volume 1. Um, I believe they've done multiple volumes, but this covers issues 1 through 6. Um, if you don't want spoilers on this, then you're lame. Too bad. Uh, <laughs> you're going to get them. Yeah. Uh, but I believe Adrian wants to talk about Batman the White Knight, so I think we can do... That next week. Okay. We haven't done that yet. I don't think, have we? I don't think so. So, yeah, we'll. Yeah, we've talked about it in other ways, it, but, but, but not as like actually book club. Yeah. So, I'm just going to say, let's talk about Batman White Knight. Let's do Batman two weeks in a row because why not? Yeah. So, we'll Batman's talk about awesome. We'll talk about He's that. He's got a lot next of history. Week. Right. And then, week after that, we can do Spider Man just to keep things even. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> see <laughs> what still, I can find. We're still working on our bestsellers list. So. Oh. So, yeah. how, how many bestsellers do you have? Jeez. Uh, it was like 20. 20. Something and why like is that? it Spider-Man on it? He he is. There was one that was a older issue that I'm not sure if I'm. It's like 20 issues all in together in this digest thing. Like that's a lot to read in one week. Yeah, we learned that mistake from before. Like, oh, we don't want to yeah. buy off too much more than we can chew. But we'll see what happens. Okay. So yeah, I'll, I'll keep week, working on you. Yeah. Next week will be Batman: The White Knight. Is what we'll talk about, and we'll talk about our subject that we skipped last week because we ran out of time. You're going to have to remind me on that, but we'll figure we'll, that out later. We'll get to, we'll talk to that off air. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Batman's Scooby-Doo Mysteries. This was my first time reading it. Was it your guys' first time reading as well? Same here. Yeah. It'll still be my first time because I may not have finished. Okay. <laughs> uh, how how far in did you get on it? Maybe an issue and a half or two and a half. It's been a long there. week. Sorry. That's okay. I, I realized, I, I wrote notes on this. I read comics how I live my life barely awake so <laughs> like i got confused and i had to set it down for a little bit because there was time travel too there time was, travel yes. always gets time, me time travel in the first issue the one good thing about this that i have been clamoring for for years one issue one story yep and this is six issues six different stories they do have a loose tying togetherness of it but very loose very loose uh you can read one and be done and each one has its own villain its own plot point, its own story. And it, I really dug that about this. That yeah, is same all here. Very self-contained. Um, the first issue is a time travel issue where they're, uh, where Batman and Robin are showing the Scooby-Doo gang, like, hey, this is our museum and you know, all of our costumes. And wait a minute. These gloves aren't the right gloves. These aren't the real gloves. These are new, brand new gloves that just came out this year. What is going on? Uh, and like, well, let's solve that by sending you back in time. Yeah. Because that's an easy way to do that, I guess. And it was like hypnosis, too. It wasn't yeah. even really time travel. It reminded me of this crappy movie I watched once. But it was time travel. Like, it, yeah, it was weird. It was like, okay, we'll yeah. send you back. And not just hypnotized, Batman hypnotized himself. Right, yes. Yeah, I got confused by because that part, too. Because he's Batman. It was very loose, uh, fast and loose on the yeah. rules on that. But it was a fun explanation of why did Batman have purple gloves and then change different gloves afterwards. Like, oh, because he didn't, cause they were itchy. He didn't like yeah. them. And because of the Scooby-Doo gang, they took them and they need them for the museum in the future. It was ridiculous, but it was fun. Um, one thing I did notice throughout this whole series is each issue had a different Bat family member that was with them, too. Yeah. And that was cool to see the progression. Like, okay, first one is Dick Grayson Robin. Yep. Then issue two had, was that it was Tim's? Tim Drake. That one was kind of more based off of, to me, what I was looking at was 
Um, it was more based off of the uh, Batman, the animated series, where Tim Drake comes on as Robin. Where it's um, the red costume. The, yeah, the, the red, red and, and black. black. With, with the gold inlay. Yeah. The Jason d- had pretty much Dick Grayson's costume. Right. So. And they acknowledge, like, oh, later on, well, who's, when is, there's Nightwing. Like, yeah, we used to team up a while ago. I used to be Robin. Now I'm Nightwing. It's it's cool. Like, oh, okay, that's who you are. Yeah. And, like, it's cool to see they showed that progress of the character, too. Like, because issue one and issue two, they didn't explain why does he have different, why is Robin different costumes? Yeah. Now, us, just the, a different Robin. The Batman fans, we we know, yeah, but we as know. a kid's book, they kind of just gloss over that. They don't even acknowledge it anymore. Like, oh, yeah, it's just different Robin. It's fine. Um, but it definitely has the Scooby Doo cheesy villains. Oh, of, yeah. Even the Joker's like cheesy villain style. Like, yeah, I got a kick out of the reference too when you said it focused on a different Bat family character. When they had, I assume it's Bitewing. Is it still Bitewing? No, this, no, is, this Ace. is Ace. Ace. Okay. Bitewing is Dick Grayson's dog. Okay, sorry. I Ace just, is Batman's. I knew there was a dog yeah, character. Scooby teamed up with Ace. That I, was good. They they made some comment at some point that Batman doesn't always deal with teenagers and dogs, or does he? <laughs> yeah, I liked it when um, the Scooby Gang first got to the Batcave. And Shaggy and Scooby are like scared of the dinosaur, mm-hmm. this, this, the and they're like penny. the giant penny. They're like a penny, really? Yeah. <laughs> and what do you say? Like, uh, um, old currency? Yeah, or <laughs> oversized, cur- sized. oversized oh. coins or like, something like that. Coins that fit in your pocket, not being big enough to crush you, sort of thing. Yeah. Hey, that's what Two Face thought too. He was afraid of it as well. Yeah, uh, but it was just ridiculous and fun. I mean, and that was issue two that yeah, was yeah. the cave of that. Uh, one thing I really dug was issue three, like the second or third page. Do you get this reference? Jared, you probably would. This panel here. Do you understand the reference that they're going with that? So Batman is out on a pier. Yes. They split, they split the I gang. But I can't place They it. split the gang. Uh, it's Batman and Scooby and everyone else is together on doing their own part. Uh, the oh, is this uh, the tour guide thing blah, blah, blah. from uh, like oh, is anything uh, normal? No, nothing unusual. How can you tell? It's from the Adam West series. Yes, when you try to get rid of a bomb. Yep, you see the nuns, you see a band playing. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. A uh, uh, woman with a stroller. It is a pure Batman sixty six Adam West reference, and I thoroughly enjoyed that. I was like. That's fun. I didn't catch that till you were just talking about it there. I'm like, that does look familiar. So yeah. Out on the Gotham Boardwalk. Like, that was just, I was, I saw, I was like, well, this just makes me happy because A, I got it, and B, 90% of the people that read this will never I didn't understand even catch that. that. First time. Yeah, through. I would have no idea. I yeah. should have. <laughs> I never, I'll be honest, I never watched the Sixth Adam West series, but I remember that bit because I've seen that clip so many times on oh, the internet. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a good that's a good line right there and it was just cool to see that them that is one thing i th- i thought too about this the series of issues that it was more the adam west batman like the campier batman Absolutely. fits more with yeah. the scooby gang than the like 90s animated series batman that i'm used to who like barely or, uh, talks and is all broody and dark and maybe even yeah. more of the super friends a little bit of Super uh, Friends. I, I mean, yeah, I don't know him Batman well. was in Scooby Doo when they did the Scooby Doo, yeah, animated series where they did a whole bunch of team ups. Like they had the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, I want to say they did one like even Gilligan's Island crew. I'm not. I'm not. I think positive. you're right. I think they did. But they had a whole bunch of weird like TV show tie-ins and everything. Yeah. And at one point they did have Batman, and it was definitely the Adam West style. Yeah. 
uh, not fully Adam West, but it was definitely that. No, it was that type that, of humor. Had that style of car. You know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are the big things that stood out to me. I don't. We, it's hard to really dive into this a whole lot because a lot of it is. I mean, it's all self-contained and it's very campy, self-contained. I did like the final issue where it was an origin story of Batman of sorts, where Bruce was training and he was he wants the world's greatest detective to be his teacher and. He's like, oh, sorry, I already, I'm already have students. And it was the Scooby Doo gang, yeah. as children. <laughs> and of course, Bruce is because he's trying to keep his identity hidden. He goes by the name Robin. Yep. And like, oh, everyone started calling him Rob for short. And it was just so ridiculous. Like, oh, well, what about this? And oh, you know, maybe you know, a costume could be at one point like it can fear the bad, it can scare the bad people, but also bring hope to the good people. Blah blah blah. And there was a, a scene with that uh, Batman coming in, uh, or Bruce becoming Batman and everything, you know, in the original, it's like uh, he's sitting in his study and a bat flies through the window and that's how he decides to become a bat. Well, it's Sh- uh, Scooby and Shaggy fly through the window and he's just, uh, Shaggy's like, gangway, two chickens coming through. And bat- Bruce is like, that's it. I shall become chicken man. Because <laughs> he, like, he said the bat was the omen. Like, oh, yep. maybe a Batman. And, and yes, the chicken only being man. Chicken was, Man. I thought and, that was pretty good. That's ridiculous. And uh, like everyone freeze framing like, um, on second thought, maybe things are better the way they are. Yep. Uh, my biggest problem with this book, I would say, is reading the way Scooby-Doo talks. Yeah, um, that yes. was rough. Because the row, like you get it when you hear it, yeah. but when you read it, it just it hurts. Like a little bit before my brain explodes every time. Like, wait, what is he trying to say? Right. But it's, it's using like, that uh, the R in front of everything he says. Like, okay, what letter is that supposed to be? It's like Pig Latin. Yeah, it's kind of like Pig Latin. Yeah. It's like that was a little distracting. Like, I get what they're going for, but also, luckily they had everyone else talking more. That it yeah, didn't matter. Yeah, you as could much. get a little bit in, you know, inference off of it and everything. So. Right. Yeah, I I forgot that too. Like it wasn't until I was I, I had to read it out loud almost to myself, and I was like, "Oh, Just that's about, what he's yeah. saying." Yeah, but I I thought there'd be an easier pattern. But you're right; it's just R in front of everything. I never realized when you hear it on the cartoon. I've never read Scooby Doo before this. So right. Yeah, it was it was a learning it, shift. It's distracting. Yeah. Uh, it's but like I did like ring. the one point where they did the team up with Ace. Also, like. When Ace was talking to Scooby and dog language, they had in the parentheses, oh, they're speaking dog. Perfectly clear language, English when Scooby's talking, like, oh, well, he's just speaking dog. Yeah, he's fluent at that. English is a second language. So, but like, that was fun that they did that a little bit as well. I would have liked to see more of a dialogue between Ace and Scooby, but it is what it is. Yep. Uh, So, overall, uh, one being awful, five being great. Laura, what would you rank this? Um. Of what you've read. Yeah. We had time to read. Ooh, I guess of what I read, though, I kind of didn't like it. I, I guess maybe I should go three. I should go mid-range to hedge my bets because I didn't finish. It, it wasn't awesome enough to keep me awake. So, yeah, I'll have to go three. Yeah, I'm going to give it a three out of five also from the fact that I liked Sonic better two weeks ago when we did that one. And I give that I one a four out of five. Agree. So this one, while it is, there's more. there's definitely more story to this. Uh, and there's more dialogue and there's more of everything in this. It's still not as good overall, I think. Um, yeah, like I, 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 I kind have of to agree. It's you could definitely tell this story was written for a uh, single issue runs because it was one and done issues. 
they cram a lot into a single issue. I think if they could have spread those out to two issues, they could have added a little bit more filler. Right. You know, maybe made the art just a bit bigger at times. I don't know. Well, and based off of reading this, I don't know who it's for. Like, yes. Because it has the 66 Batman comedy styles to it. Right. But it's also still Scooby-Doo. Like, right. It, it's written for – to me, it's written for kids, but the kids have to know the DC universe to do it or for, Batman history, you know. For me, it's written for – it's the nostalgia feels more than anything. That so it's like be. It's reading – it's written for like, hey, uh, Jared, buy this for your – you know, young nephew or whatever, because, oh, they like cartoons. Yeah. Here's a cartoon. Like, oh, it's on name alone, not necessarily on quality. Yeah, there I There are have better things I can recommend than this. I mean, it was fine. It was fine. But it leaned a lot on nostalgia for that. Yeah, and maybe, maybe kids do find it a little bit more entertaining than we did. I don't know. Yeah. yeah kids can roll with... Uh, yeah. references a lot better and they just think that they know what they're talking about. Yeah. They kind of make be. it up and fill in the blanks. Yep. Batman and Robin. There, There's your big ones. Um, it was just fine the way it, it is, though. You know, I'm was, not but, knocking it. But it's, it was fine. It wasn't exactly. good. It was fine. It was just fine. The so. I've read worse. Definitely. So. <laughs> and this kept my attention for the most part. Yeah. I mean, it was an easy read. Yeah. Um, minus the roll. Roll. Uh, yep. I mean, um, art was good. Art was very cartoony, but that's what we were expecting. Yeah. yeah. And there's a diverse cast, too. It's a great way to, like, hey, do you want to know the whole Bat family, but don't really need to know them all? Yeah. This, I mean, it had Huntress Commit- in it for crying yeah. out loud. Huntress was in it. Commissioner Gordon was in it. And it's just like they, th- when introducing Nightwing, it was a quick one line. I used to be Robin. Done. Done. Cool. That's good all you go. need to know. Yep. Good to go. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot that I like about it, but overall, I don't need to go read volume two. I same Sonic. I could read volume two. Same here. Uh, this one, like, nah, because it's all self-contained, yeah. and I'm not hooked by any of it. Like, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, because Sonic had that cliffhanger at the end. Like, you want to read two because you're right. like, well, yeah. what is Robotnik doing? Is he really the big bad, or is there someone else? Like, this one Sonic is, is a question mark, and this one it's just another up. monster. Oh well, like it's definitely yeah. if there's regular single issues here, read this. You'll be fine. You don't need to worry anything before or after. You're good to go. Yeah. Sure. But as volumes, you don't need to follow up with volume two. Like, it's fine. It is what it is. Yep. But at least I know now, having read this, if someone said, hey, they bought this one. What about this one? Is that next in order? Who cares? Just go ahead and read it. It'll be fine. If you don't own it yet, you'll be fine. Just read the next volume that we have. It is what it is. So, yeah, that's Batman Scooby-Doo Mysteries, volume one. And again, next week, we'll talk about Batman the White Knight. Um, We'll reread that, and Adrian will talk forever about it, and we'll go from there. (laughs) <laughs> it will be nice to reread that. I haven't read it since it yeah. came out. Yeah. I- I'm looking forward to it, and I probably won't even be on the show. Sorry, you have to work. <laughs> That's okay. Maybe maybe I'll write some sort of synopsis if I think of something really good and be like, here, Alex, you need to read whatever. There we go. You love it when I do that. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to the part that Jared always forgets about, and that is Hero of the Week, comic book or otherwise. Do you have one ready? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have one ready, so I'll go first. Um, I want to say Thomas the Tank Engine. My hero of the week. Uh, the reason why he is is Hold because on. I was not expecting that. Yeah, I know. I gotta hear this now. I, I know neither one of you were expecting so that. I was one. like, "What?" Uh, so. The reason for that is because Saturday after work, Adrian and I went to see the movie Bullet Train. Uh, it is um, oh, what's his name? Is the star of Brad Pitt? It. Brad Pitt. Thank you. Jeez, brain fart. Uh, and it is possibly the best movie I've seen all year. Wow. Yeah, it is. 
really I'll good. Have to check that out. Uh, it really, I watched zero trailers for it. All I saw was a commercial, like well, on Hulu. That's like, oh, at one point he calls her Karen, and that's about it. That's all I, I saw. Think he something saw two on. trailers. I, I don't remember anything about. I don't remember why we watching the trailer. I think I just zoned <laughs> out during. I'm like, that yeah, is what it is. I think yeah. I saw an ad on TikTok or something. Right. Uh, but there is a character that describes everyone, like everyone. He says everyone is a character from Thomas the Tank Engine. Whether you be Diesel or Percy or Thomas or like anybody, like they break all the different characters are different type of personalities. So he gets a read on person like, oh, you are that character. This is your personality treat. It's kind of like your horoscope sort of thing oh. where he equates everyone to Thomas the Tank Engine characters. Um, and like that was fun. And that was a cool running gag that they did throughout the whole movie as well. And it was, like I said, a phenomenal movie. I really enjoyed it. It's a action comedy, I would say. Um but it's really good. Uh, at one point while we were working Saturday, a notification came up on Adrian's phone. Like, hey, you know, so-and-so reviews the movie. And like, oh, even Brad Pitt's acting skills can't carry the whole cast. And we're like, oh, great. What are you? Well, let's see. We both have Unlimited. Let's go see it. Let's see how it is. And the whole time we're watching, like, all right, this is good. Stick the landing. Stick the landing. Like, maybe maybe it falls apart at the end. Maybe that's where I got done watching like. Okay, I don't know what that reviewer saw, but they were dead wrong. This is a great movie. Uh, so if you have the chance, definitely check out Bullet Train. It is really good. You don't don't watch any trailers. Just know that it is rated R for lots of violence because the main characters are all different, like bounty hunters of sorts that are on a train and they all have their own little missions. Uh, it's really cool. It's hard to describe without giving away spoilers because that's a major part of it. But it's really cool, and I highly recommend it. So, yeah, Thomas Tank Engine, because that is one of the <laughs> go-to lines and references that one of the characters does. That's awesome. And it's really great. Now I'm going to ask, um, my my brother and his wife just said that they saw that, and they really loved it, too. I'm going to have to ask if she actually has that Thomas the Tank Engine background from my niece or not. I don't know if she watched that cartoon. I don't know. They may have to catch up and, like. Immediately, I, I know I watched it as a kid. I watched it a lot as a kid. I don't remember a thing about it, though. Yeah, me too. It was like, just I, a little bit before my time. I actually didn't really like Thomas the Tank Engine. I watched or a after. little bit here and there, but... I'm yeah. before that. Sorry. I remember watching... Cause it Shining wasn't, Time Station. Right. And wasn't that part, like, right around the time with uh, Mr. Rogers also. Yeah. Like, it would be that, like, oh, sometimes in between the episode even, like, sort of thing. Yeah. But... Yeah. I don't like. I don't remember hardly. I know I watched a bunch of it as a kid, but I don't remember a single thing about it other than that. Tangent. This is actually one of my favorite um, early college stories. I was in my dorm room working on something, and I had the door open. I could hear girls down the hallway talking about. They were trying to remember Thomas the Tank Engine was part of the show, and like Ringo Starr was the conductor, and blah. They were just trying to remember the name of the show. Ringo? Yeah, Ringo Starr was, mm. or yeah, yep. yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I walked down the hallway eventually, and I was like, "Shining Time Station" is what you're trying to think of, and they're like, "Yes, thank you," and I was like, "Yes." And I went back to my room and like never talked to those girls again, but <laughs> I was so happy that I knew that random trivia. Yep, uh, I just pulled the Wikipedia starring Ringo Starr. George Carlin also is on it. Mm. Oh, okay, that's for a second. I was like. Is it George? Like I was, I was seeing his face, but I knew it was Ringo. That, that was back when okay. he had his clean act before he went all <laughs> George Carlin that we know and love now. Yeah, and we uh, can love him clean and dirty. Well, yeah, 
But one of the other recurring jokes within the show or in the movie was like, oh, uh, Thomas the Train Engine. No, no, not train. Thomas the Tank Engine. Like, it wasn't Thomas the Train. Tank Engine. Like, that was the name of it. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's my Hero of the Week. Uh, Laura, who's your Hero of the Week, comic book related or otherwise? I think I want to double dip and go back to Chip Zdarsky since he did that um, children's Make-A-Wish Foundation repelling Rope for Hope thing. I, I, I still think that that's really funny. and A good enough reason to make someone a hero. And his little spider bits that were getting crushed. I, I don't think that makes him. <laughs> he <was> sacrificing <laughs> his, his bits for the, for the gift. Yeah, maybe he could have been a better hero to himself had yeah. he not <laughs> had that issue. Right, yes. <laughs> maybe he needed some more equipment to for this some job. better <laughs> harnesses. Yeah. All right, Jared, we bought as much time as we could. Who's um, your Hero of the Week, comic book or otherwise? Well, I'm going to go with the people, uh, the workers at NK Supply out of New Knoxville. Uh, we had an electrical problem at our house, and they were able to come fix it, and they did a good job. So good. I'm, I'm going to go that, with that. I know you were fighting with the, fighting with yeah, the problem for about uh, a week We could or not so. figure out what the heck was wrong with it, and we finally just – well, we know they – you know. We we grew up in New Knoxville, so we already knew that they did a good job and everything. So we're like, well, let's just call them, so see if they'll come out to St. Mary's and and get us fixed. So and they did. They, they did a good job. Yep, good on them. So that is it for this week. Again, next week, if you want to read ahead for the podcast, we will be talking about Batman: The White Knight. Uh, it's the first one of three series that are out. Three and a half, something like three that. and a half. At least three, because the fourth one is still in single issues right now. Beyond the oh, White yeah. So like three, some one shots, and then this series. Yeah. So that was Batman the White Knight Volume One, uh, written by oh Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Sean yeah. Murphy is the writer of that one. So yeah, that's what we'll talk about next week. And until then, we will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.